Welcome back to America's Land Auctioneer. I'm Kevin Pfeiffer, America's Land Auctioneer. Folks, you're listening to one of the best educated radio shows in America because we got some great guests and we've been doing this now for I think it's about 15 or 16 weeks and we always seem to have really good guests in here that can teach you a lot. This one's equivalent to uh, a full semester of class up at any university, I'll put it that way. Tax partner Dide Bailey and Bob Pfeiffer. Bob is with Pfeiffer's Auction and Realty in Grand Forks, so appreciate him being with us today as well. Bob, you know, we've been talking quite a bit about this at Pfeiffer's for a long, long time where we'll have clients come in and they know they have a low-cost basis, so they're going to be subject to a high uh, capital gain tax liability, and if they want to defer that, they certainly can. And we can do that through the 1031 process. And a lot of them end up going through a REIT, through a real estate investment trust, don't they? Yes, and, and that's really helped them a lot. And and uh, then they can still get their income, off, you know, off of that investment. Yeah, and that's another nice part about it too, Steve, is you're not only Steve Troyer is with us from Mike Bailey, but, yeah, you're not only not paying the tax because you're deferring it, but now that money, instead of paying in taxes, now that money is also working for you too, isn't it, Steve? Yeah, you end up getting interest tax, if you will, the deferred tax. And so instead of putting in a million or having a million dollars and maybe only putting in 700000 now you get the the interest and the investment on that 300000 of extra tax that would have gone. Yeah, and at 5%, that's another 15000 a year. That's over $1,000 a month more. So it adds up after a while. That's it real does. money. Yeah. You know, so when you think about it, follow the rule of 72. If you can get in there, you get close to that six. You know, every 12 years, it'll double for you. So, again, you certainly want to get as many of those assets working for you. Have a balance sheet that reflects performing assets instead of non-performing assets like boats and pontoons, Bob, and stuff like that, right? Right. We want to have all those performing assets. I know, Steve, you stress that, don't you? Yeah, we. <laughs> those are called toys, and <laughs> toys don't generate revenue. That's right. <laughs> we don't need a whole lot of toys or non-performing I just, I just assets. I just use Kevin's boat. <laughs> yeah. There, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, the 22-year-old jalopy. There you go. Boy, I tell you, a lot of, lot of good information here today talking about capital gain taxes and then how to defer, not to avoid, but to into a like-kind exchange through a 1031 program, and then also whether it's a 1033, which would mean it's either it's being bought by a, a political subdivision or a political entity of the government, whether it's state or county or federal or whatever it might be. But, you know, we're just kind of touching on a few things here today. We've got a lot of ground yet to cover, and we don't have a whole lot of time. We're about halfway through the show here, but... Uh, you know, the death tax is a big part of this, of everything here, too. And, uh, you know, or people call it the estate tax, too. But, you know, Steve, right now we're at a pretty good level, but a lot of proposals being thrown around there, too. But where are we at today on the estate tax or death tax rate? Yeah, so right now the exemption for this year is $11.7 million per person, right? So roughly we're going to call it 23 and a half for a million for a husband and wife. And so you're able to shelter those kind of dollars from value from your balance sheet under the current law. But if I might, let's take a look at some of the proposed Biden changes to the estate tax. And one of them that we enjoy now is if somebody passes away, let's take farmland, right? That's $6,000 an acre farmland. If somebody were to pass away now, it would be appraised. That's the that's a step up basis for the inheritance is six million dollars an acre. President Biden wants to eliminate that. No more step up. 
So if it's worth, if it's you, if you have that six thousand dollar an acre ground, but it's only a thousand dollar cost basis, that's what it's inherited at thousand dollars. So you don't get the stepped up you basis. So step stepped up. up basis would go away. Yep. And and on top of that, guess what? You'd still pay the estate tax on the six million dollars. So now, what percent of taxes are we paying? Well, that's that's the start of it. But the other <laughs> thing we haven't even talked about is. The proposed under the proposed estate tax loss, if you're again over that million dollars of of of, of land, let's call it, you're also going to have to pay the income tax on the unrealized gain. Unrealized gain. So in theory, between the the estate tax of about forty percent and that income tax rate of forty three point four max, you could pay up to sixty one point three six percent. So now, now you're paying for the and that. Land. Would be, yeah, now you're paying on a million dollar sale. You know, at a million dollars of land, you can get there pretty quick now. Yeah, that's that's pretty. That's sixty one million dollars of tax. Isn't that crazy? That is something. When you think about it, how how ridiculous some of these proposals are. Well, hopefully it's not going to happen. But you know where we're at right now. Uh, we're 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 in a pretty good zone right now. But is there anything that is going to change this? I know because some things get sunset or whatever. But is this is this eleven point seven going to stay in place for a while or not? Or so that right now it's uh, you're picking my brain here, but I believe that this is good until December thirty first of twenty twenty five. It does have a sunset, and then it would drop down to around five million, give or take. But again, remember that was all a budgeting issue when when Trump tried to get his tax law changed, right? So you've got your 10-year OMD, OMB. They're trying to get the budget to balance. That's what he did to get that budget to balance. You know, when you look at a lot of farms across America, and you know, what, 97% of all farms in America are still family farms or family-operated, family producers. Uh, you know, 30, 40 years ago, these these uh, ranges and brackets we're talking about wouldn't be an issue, but... You know, you think about where we are today now, like we talked about earlier, one quarter of land could be a million dollars. So people that are going to be affected and adversely affected and currently are. But, you know, and again, it really comes down to taking care of things the way they should be done and leaning on people for advice. So whether it's Steve Troyer, Dyke Bailey or your attorney or whoever it might be. But again, uh, my advice to my clients is, hey, you know, we can we can help you alle- alleviate some of the anxiety, some of the fear because we can put you in touch with the right people. If we don't know the answers, we can go to a Steve Troyer at Ide Bailey. But don't you think really, though, uh, no matter what changes come down there, it's all a matter of now developing the right strategy. Let's say if you know you want to sell it, and you maybe maybe you figure not, you don't have to, but you know what? We made our mind up. We're going to sell it. Now we have to do it right. Yep. And part of what, what I, right now, Kevin, I spend literally probably 60% of my time now doing this type of planning, estate planning transition planning, that type of thing. And so what we will end up doing is if somebody says, you know, I, I'm a little nervous about what I'm seeing, we'll put together a couple of plans, something that if, if we need to pull the trigger, we can do it literally within days. Because if we need to have something appraised because we're going to give it away, we can have that all set in place. Or if we're going to sell it, are we going to do it at the end of the year? So if we need to use that installment method, we can either take it all this year because we maybe won't have those preferred tax treatment in the next year. So we, we always do things kind of based on let's project what's going to happen, and then let's have two or three options available to take care of it. 
Now, is the uh, is the one time gifting still in place where you can do the the once in a lifetime gift to a kid to a child? What we have mm-hmm. right now under current law, you have the eleven point seven million that's available. And if you wanted to today, Kevin, if you wanted to make a gift to me for eleven point seven, I didn't have to pay any tax on it. <laughs> <laughs> but a parent can gift to a kid while they're still. I mean, you you can do yep. all this gifting while they're still alive. Is the point? Absolutely. Of instead yep. of wait until you pass on, yeah. and uh, you know, and, that, and that's the nice that's the nice part about the dynamics of the of what I think the the death tax or estate tax laws are today. You can do some of it while you're alive, so you can enjoy them getting that while you're alive. That's exactly the part of what we're doing, and we're seeing more of that now for grandparents, primarily giving to grand grandchildren. It's, hey, let's give it to them so you can see them enjoy it while you're alive instead of being gone. Yeah, no, I think that's, that's, really, I think that's really cool that you, you're able to do that. And, and I know you guys do a lot of that type of planning. So now typically, Steve, when you guys get into a situation over at Ide Bailey, uh, let's say somebody calls you, makes an appointment. Where you're, first of all, get, just getting into kind of the discovery, asking the right questions, what they want to do and what their goals are. It's, it's dependent, Kevin, on two things. Number one is, are they already an existing client or are they, are they a referral or are they somebody new? Because the difference would be is if it's an existing client, you know, for me, most of my clients I've been working with at least 15 or more years. Had a number of them follow me from Grand Forks down here. And so I know probably more about their business operation than most of their family does. So that's, that makes it easy. The new ones, yeah, when they have a new one come come in, new client come in where I'm just doing the planning, I've got a worksheet that I put to, put together that I answer all the questions. I need to gather data, and we do it that way. So it's not very it's not intimidating at all, and there is no right or wrong answer. No. It's just a matter of of having the right information. So you you know you know this year's strategy uh, or last year's strategy won't win this year's championship. So you just got to develop the right strategy, sit down with you, yeah. right. And do that. Yeah. And, and the other thing that I would tell you is, is that there really is, uh, there isn't a canned formula that's going to work. I've done hundreds of these transition plans and none of them are the same. You, you can't do a cookie cutter. So you custom make them for absolutely every, client. Yeah. every time. And you almost have to, don't you? Cause yeah. every, there's dynamics with every family or every individual yeah. client or couple, right? You'd be yeah. surprised. I mean, what I typically see, I like to have, if I can, under COVID, you couldn't do it. I wanted the whole family there because I want to look at the eyes because about eight times out of 10, you know who's in charge, right? Yeah. Mom's in charge. Yeah. I don't Normally. care. Yeah. And so I need to see that. I need yeah. to have that so I know who to go to when I want real answers. Yeah. Well, if you want to get it done right, you got to go through mom first, right? <laughs> Folks, you're listening to Steve Troyer at Ied Bailey. Steve's been there for... 23 years. He's been in the tax business for 36 years. Partner in charge of agriculture producers. So glad Steve could be. And he's going to, he's agreed to stick around for the last segment today. And Bob Pfeiffer with Pfeiffer's Auction and Realty and Pfeiffer's Auctioneers out of the Grand Forks office. And he also oversees the Wisconsin operation for Pfeiffer's. Folks, if you want to call in, if you want to get a hold of us, you can email us at info at Pfeiffer's.com or you can call us toll free 877 877- 700 or you can go to Pfeiffer's website, www.pfeiffer's.com. Get a hold of any of the Pfeiffer's real estate agents or auctioneers or farmland managers. Folks, I'm Kevin Pfeiffer. You've been listening to America's Land Auctioneer, and we'll be right back after this break. $1,000 bid, $2,000 where, $1,750 here now, too. Sold away for $1,750.
Welcome back to America's Land Auctioneer. I'm Kevin Pfeiffer, America's Land Auctioneer. I want to thank you all for joining us today. we got a jam-packed show today. I wish we could give everybody three to four business credits here at the University of North Dakota today because you're going to learn a lot. I know I did in segment one, and we got three more to go here. In studio is Steve Troyer, tax partner at Ide Bailey in Fargo. He's the partner in charge of agricultural producers. Been with Ide Bailey since 1998, so 23 years. And he's been in now, he's, he's been doing this for 36 tax seasons. Uh, graduate of the University of North Dakota, so glad he's here. And also Bob Pfeiffer, the managing broker at Pfeiffer's Auction Realty and Pfeiffer's Auctioneers up in Grand Forks, North Dakota. So, Bob, how you doing? I'm doing good. Good. Thanks for good being morning. here. Thanks for being here and co-hosting the show today. I appreciate it. Nothing like having a good co-host in case I need to get up and um, use the uh, use the amenities here, right? Right. <laughs> I'm here for you. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. Steve, how are you doing? I am doing well, Kevin. Good to be back. Yeah, thank you for having us here. We see or being with us. I mean, we certainly do appreciate you being here with us today. You know, in the first segment, you guys, we touched on the capital gain tax rate a little bit and you know, in our business at Pfeiffer's, and I know, Bob, you do this quite a bit up in Grand Forks there, a lot of people are right now just kind of on the edge of their chair. They know, because a lot of your, I'd say, what, 70 or 80% of your clients are, are baby boomers, right? And a lot of them are kind of that middle age, but the baby boom generation is probably, what, 54? They were born in 1954 and over, older, right? Yep. So I'm right. kind of on the tail end of it, and you're barely in it, Bob. You're barely a baby right. boomer. <laughs> but again, uh, a lot of baby boomers now, obviously thinking about selling land or have been selling land. But boy, there's a lot, a of, lot of questions they got to ask before they get into this. And you know, it isn't as scary or fearful a, a process as one would think. It's just that you have to do it right. And I think that's one thing I've appreciated at everything at Pfeiffer's. You guys do it right. You do it right every single day. Uh, because we're going to also talk about how you can defer all of the capital gain tax. You don't pay any tax on the capital gain. You can defer it through a 1031 or a 721 exchange. So, and Steve Troyer is going to touch about that. But, boy, Steve, this capital gain tax rate, uh, you know, we've been talking about has been pretty favorable. Th- these current rates have been in place for how long, roughly? Well, since since our the former president was in my office, yes. Isn't that isn't that something? So forty seven years, right? Well, or, well, no, no. Oh, the former president. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right. Yep. Yeah, yep. but I mean, but you talk about the zero percent, the fifteen, and the twenty, and the yep. capital gain at the yep. federal. I mean, those those are they're. I'm not going to say they're overly attractive rates, but they're good rates. They're fair, don't you think? They're reasonable rates for those folks who, over their lifetime, have have, have amassed their wealth and they needed to live on. It's, yeah. It's a, I think it's a fair tax. Yeah, but boy, what's coming down the pike is kind of scary, don't you think? I mean, you're here now, uh, uh, you know, every single day I try and learn more and more about it as can because I want to become knowledgeable for my clients at Pfeiffer's, and I know Bob does and all of our other Pfeiffer's agents and everybody. But, boy, you hear so many different proposals. And over at I. Bailey, I know you guys – you guys do some estimates and projection, and you guys participate in a lot of webinars and things, but you're seeing a lot of changes come down the pike, or a lot of proposed changes, right? Yeah. Well, we got to make sure that we're telling that they're proposed <clears throat> changes at this time, right? So there, we've got some pretty significant changes for the high-income folks for our capital gains. And then I also want to touch a little bit on the proposed estate tax. So what we've got, I mean, basically, again, what we have for proposals until you have that taxable income up over that million dollars, 
they're telling us that things are going to be reasonably close to the same. But here's what ends up happening is once you get over that million dollars of taxable income, the capital gain rate really reverts back to the top ordinary income tax rate. And that's 39.6. So that makes it a progressive tax. Then, well, right? in, in essence, in essence, it does, because, again, what they're looking to do is to have those folks, if you have a million dollars of taxable income, they assume that you should be paying you know, top tax rates. We also, again, we're going to toss on that 3.8% Medicare tax to help pay for Obamacare. So you're really looking at a 43.4% capital gain rate or tax rate if you have taxable income over that million dollars. So That is substantial. It's pretty notable. That is a big. Now, the issue that we're also looking at is when does that apply? Is it going to be as of the date of the, if it ever passes, date signed? Are they going to make it retroactive back to when it was announced? Or, or will it move, be prospective with the next tax year? Those are the things that we don't know yet. You know, and you, if you do go back to the Clinton years, though, there was some, there were tax increases then that were made retroactive. There were. He, he was one that went back, you know, six or eight months later retroactively and, and made it applicable to the entire first tax year. You know, so hopefully, hopefully that doesn't happen. But again, uh, all the more reason why all the right questions have to be asked here. And and then again, what tax rate are you in? What tax bracket are you going to be in for capital gains? Because, again, it is a progressive tax. As I understand it, Steve, it goes on top of your adjusted gross income, right? So It, it becomes part of your part adjusted of, Yeah, cap. part of. Yep. So, again, that's really important for everybody to understand. You just don't all of a sudden you know, take up your cost basis, and then all of a sudden you sell your land, and, and then you forget, okay, well, I had this income over here. It's it's part of your AGI on right. your tax filing, and you guys go through that every day, so you guys understand that a whole lot better than I do. Well, there is a way. There is a way that you you don't ever avoid the tax. There's nothing in the tax law that I know of where you can avoid it, but uh, you certainly can defer your capital gain tax, and you can do that through a code in the IRS uh, laws called 1031, mm-hmm. and that, that still is in place. And, and do you hear any rumblings? You, well, first of all, you, you can explain what it is yep. and then any rumblings of whether or not they be changing any of that, which could change the dynamics of not only farmland sales but also commercial property. Well, also keep in mind that as of two years ago, that did change somewhat, right, for, for non-farm, non-land, any real estate. So right now under a 1031, what you can do is you have the ability to defer the gain on a piece of ground that you want to sell by following some date structure and then going out to the market, if you will, and finding other real estate. Which is like kind, and like kind would be income producing. So farmland and apartment buildings are like kind, even though they're not. They, they include program. real estate. So yep, 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 because it is, you know, it is, it's passive or it's not passive, but it, but it's income-producing property. You can't go buy a condo in Arizona or Lake Home or whatever, but right. it, yep. that would be like kind. Yep. Yeah, and, and typically a lot of where we see right now is we've got a lot of farmland around metropolitan areas that is worth, you know, fifteen, twenty, twenty-five thousand dollars $25,000 an acre. Then you can go out to the countryside or typically a lot of what we see people go back home. They might be able to buy a section for that. Yeah, just sell one quarter and buy a whole section or whatever yeah. it might be. Yeah. And then and then if the government takes it, whether the government buys it or eminent domain or whatever, 
Then we get into what's called the 1033 exchange, correct? Right. Now now what happens is is that you're being forced to sell that land or move it. And so you have anywhere from 24 months to 36 months to find something else and be able to defer that gain into new property. Because a regular 1031, you got 45 days to identify up to three, and you have 180. So the 1033 is a little bit more lenient, a little more liberal. They give you a little bit more time. Simply because yeah. you're being forced to sell. Yeah, and you hadn't planned for it. Whereas in the 1031, you're likely the one that's pushing the the original sale of your property, yep. and then you got to go out and find the exchange property. So, Bob, we see that quite a bit, though. We do a lot of 1031s at Pfeiffer's, don't we? Yeah, I would say about excuse me, about twenty five percent of my sales probably, most likely. Maybe more than that. Yep. You know, and again, it's like I said earlier, you're not avoiding the tax, but you're deferring it. And you know, a lot of people will put it into a REIT, they'll put it into a real estate investment trust. And you know, you got a lot of them in this region, a lot of them in Fargo and Grand Forks that are really good, paying a five, five and a half percent dividend. So again, a good good way to do it. I personally have done it and Steve's helped me do that over the years. So again, as long as you have the knowledge and the, and the right resources, and you know what you're doing, so you get rid of that anxiety and that fear factor, so you do it right. Folks, you've been listening to Steve Troyer, tax partner at Ide Bailey, and he's also the partner in charge of agricultural producers at Ide Bailey. Been doing this for 36 years, 23 of them at Ide Bailey. Bob Pfeiffer's in studio, too, with Pfeiffer's Auction Realty and Pfeiffer's Auctioneers in Grand Forks. You can get a hold of us at info at pfeiffers.com. Just email us or call us 877-700-4099, or you can go to our website, pfeiffers.com, and get a hold of any of the Pfeiffer's auctioneers, real estate agents, or land managers. Folks, you've been listening to America's Land Auctioneers. we got a lot more to go. We'll be right back after this break. In here now, I'm gonna do now. I'm gonna be on here now. Hope it five hundred thousand dollar bid. I'm in five hundred in. Welcome to America's Land Auctioneer. Good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining us today. It's good to be with you. I'm Kevin Pfeiffer, America's Land Auctioneer, coming to you every Saturday morning. And today we got a great program. Uh, you could probably get a three credit, four hundred level course out of this one today, folks. You're going to learn a lot today because we got some great folks in studio, including Steve Troyer, the tax partner and partner in charge of agricultural producers at Ide Bailey out of Fargo. He's been with Ide Bailey since 1998. He's been there 23 years and been in the, now this will be his 36th tax season, as he counts it, and a graduate of the University of North Dakota, North Dakota's flagship university. How you doing, Steve? I am doing great, Kevin. Good to see you. Yeah, good to see you. Thanks for being in studio today, and thanks for agreeing to be with us. We appreciate it. Co-hosting today is Bob Pfeiffer. Bob Pfeiffer is the managing broker for Pfeiffer's Auction and Realty and Pfeiffer's Auctioneers in Grand Forks, North Dakota. And he also oversees the operations for Pfeiffer's in Wisconsin. So, Bob, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Beautiful morning. Yeah, it is, isn't it? I tell you what, Steve Troyer is with us today. I've been begging him to get in here. I've known Steve for a long time. He uh, Not only I work with him personally and consider him to be one of the best in what he does, but I know our company works daily with Steve Troyer and his staff at Ide Bailey. Uh, it's important to have great advice from these folks, not just tax advice, but 
business advice, and they do a lot of great things for a lot of people on our part of the region. And it's all about hiring right people, isn't it, Steve? It is. You got to have the right staff and the right people with the right attitude. Yep, and you guys certainly do, and you guys do a great job over there. You know, Bob, speaking about doing a great job at Pfeiffer's, and I know out of the Grand Forks office, you guys do a great job up there. Uh, we talked uh, in a segment, I think it was a Saturday or two ago, Bob, when you were on with us, you know, how important it is for a Pfeiffer's agent or an auctioneer to not only just throw a contract in front of somebody to sell their land, but you got to ask the right questions, right? Yeah, that's right, Kevin. You, uh, you have to find out how, uh, what, what their motive is to be selling. Um, is it, uh, is it because they just inherited it or is it they just want to sell? Um, what their uh, tax ramifications are, which Steve will be talking about. But, uh, yeah, you got to ask the question just to make sure, you know, they're not making a mistake of selling too early or or whatever. You know? Yeah, so, again, uh, it's not it's not like, okay, well, I inherited the land. I don't have to pay any taxes on it, right? There's a thing called cost basis and all of that. And that's why it is so important. And we teach everybody at Pfeiffer's every year we have different set seminars and sessions on all of our agents and auctioneers how important it is that it's our responsibility to have due care and due diligence in the process and a disciplined process, making sure we ask the right questions. Because if we don't, you know, that part of the calculation and that part of the equation could be pretty, pretty devastating. Don't you think, Steve? And, and, you know, you guys ask the questions, but as soon as you come to me and ask me a question, I've got more questions for you because we want to make sure that we're giving the appropriate information. Exactly. Now, okay, let's just let's dive into this. Let's talk. You know, we got a lot of stuff. We could probably be here for, you know, five or six hours. And unfortunately, we don't have that kind of time. But let's talk about the capital gain tax because there there is a lot of stuff going on right now. Obviously, Steve can lay out where we are today, but there's proposals in Congress where they're saying this thing could go up two and a half times where it is. They may even make it retroactive or whatever it is. And and there's so many different scenarios. Okay, when did you inherit it, if you did inherit it? When did you buy it? Did you get it after the date of the first survivor or death or the last survivor, all that? But, Steve, could you lay out where we are as far as the capital gain tax rate today and, and how that all plays out if you're selling farmland? Sure. So we've, we've got a couple of things that we normally would take a look at, right? So. What we have to do is what are the tax rates that we've got? Because there are multiple rates on capital gain transactions. So literally, if you have, everything is going to be based on a married filing joint, just to kind of keep it simple for for our presentation. But if you have taxable income up to 80,800, and part of that is a capital gain, you could have a zero capital gain tax. That's married filed jointly, right? Married filing jointly. Yep. So it's not a lot of income, but you know, if you're an elderly couple and you sell a little piece of action, maybe you do it on a contract for deed, you might be able to keep it below that. It then goes to a 15% rate if you're at 80801 of taxable income up to $501,600. That's the 15% rate. Now, remember, these rates only include federal tax. We're not dealing with any states here. And then the third one would be the 20% rate, and that's for anything over $501,600. Now, here's what happens, right? When you get up to that rate, you also have some remnants of the Obamacare. So we have the 3.8 Medicare tax, and that was what was supposed to pay for Obamacare. That's still in place. 
So in theory, your highest rate is 23.8% right now. That's if you're married, filed jointly, and you're you're over 501000 That's a That is a huge – and they're even talking about increasing that. We'll get to that in a little bit about the increases. We will, but, yeah. yeah. It's a mind-boggling. Can we back up just a little bit now, too, because you had mentioned the contract for deed, because I know at Pfeiffer's we do this occasionally. Let's say, for instance, you are in either category B or C here, so you're subject to either the 15 or the 20%. And you sell a quarter of farmland in the Red River Valley now. That could be a million dollars or pretty close to it at $6,000. Bob Pfeiffer just sold one quarter up by Gilby recently for 6,000 acre. That's $960,000. So you could be put into one of these uh, higher brackets in a hurry. But let's say, for instance, now what you could do in a situation like that, and our Pfeiffer's agents are trained to do this, you could have two purchase agreements, one 80 and another 80. So now you're selling this 80 and you're going to close this year. The other 80 are going to close the next year. Or you could do one in cash, and you could do the other one in a contract for deed. How does the contract for deed calculation work in a case of capital gain? Sure, and and you could literally even have one contract for both 40s if you wanted to. The, the issue would be is it's when you take the money, right? So you could have, a let's say, a 50% down payment on a single contract, and then that would be where you would pay the tax. And then the second payment would come the following year, and then you would be taxed at that rate. So it gets back to that old uh, phrase of constructive receipt. Whenever you take that, right? Cash. For yep. when you take the yep. cash, yep. right? And then could you, if you did a contract for deed, could you? Is there a limit on the number of years you could do that? I mean, could you? It? Actually, you can have. I mean, we would take a look at most contracts. It would end up being maybe between twelve to fifteen years max. You know, okay. But, you know, we do a lot of them where maybe we're at a five-year with a balloon or maybe we do a nine-year with a balloon. So it gives them a little bit of time. Predominantly, it's going to be the next generation buying that. And so they want to make sure that they can afford it. So they got to make sure that they keep the price down. And we can do that. And what it does is for the seller, now they're only paying tax on that principal portion that they take that gets taxed at capital gain under current law. And that, that, that may be subject to change. We're going to get into the, some of the proposed changes, and there's a lot of them being floated around. So, you know, a lot of people, they, they get a little bit fearful, or maybe, you know, maybe it's because of the unknown. Now, there's a lot of us, you know, you, you know, we get anxiety or we get fear, and a lot of it's driven by the things we don't know. But once we get to know them, we talk to somebody like Steve Troyer from Ide Bailey, who's been doing this for 36 years, you get a little bit more of a comfort level. But again, it, it's really kind of about what Bob Pfeiffer and I talked about earlier. It's about discovery, isn't it? Finding out, you know, what is your cost basis? And, and how do you describe what a cost basis is? Is that either how you inherited or purchased it? Well, it, it ends up being what either A, what did you pay for the property back in the day? And if you, I, I ask the question, did you inherit this or did somebody pass away in order for you to get that piece of property? And if the answer is yes then we need to know what the value was at that time of that person's death or did or did they give it to you while they were alive because if they gave it to you while you were, they were alive you've got their cost basis so you may end up going back into the 70s and 60s to find out what somebody paid for a piece of ground you know that's interesting now let's throw another wrinkle into it bob Pfeiffer. this is going to be interesting so and i know steve's got the answer but all right let's say mom and dad gave it to the kids and they put it into a life estate. So in other words, mom and dad get the income while they're alive, but the kids own it. 
So where is the basis and who has the basis now? So in a life estate, that is essentially an uncompleted gift. So what happens is mom and dad get the income and then upon their death, even though it's no longer in their name, they still have to include it in their estate. So they would, I believe they get the step up on that. That's interesting because you see a lot of those. And yeah. when we're looking at plat books and we look at plat books every day in multiple counties and you'll see, uh, you know, it, it might say so-and-so in their last name and then comma L-E, which means life estate. So there are literally hundreds of thousands of acres of land in North Dakota that is owned through a life estate. And generally the, the biggest reason that we see those is because they're fearful that if mom and dad go into a nursing home, that they'll have to sell the land to take care of that. Okay, so that's that's the reason you see that. So that's a big reason. Yeah. yeah. Anyhow, Bob kind of reminds me. So Steve said that's similar to an uncompleted gift, right? So that gift I gave you a couple of years ago that was uncompleted. You'll get the rest of it here over the course of the next four or five years. Thanks, Kevin. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. Yeah, you're welcome, folks. I tell you what, in studio today, Steve Troyer, tax partner at Ide Bailey and partner in charge of agriculture producers at Ide Bailey. He's been with them for 23 years since 1998. So he's been now, what, going into his 36th tax year, advising clients all over the region, actually. And I know we work with Steve and his staff, uh, Travis, over there quite frequently. They do a great job for our for our auction and real estate company and our holding company. And, and Bob, I know you've had a lot of business dealings with I. Bailey over the years, too, and appreciated everything they do. Also in studio, Bob Pfeiffer with Pfeiffer's Auction Realty and Pfeiffer's Auctioneers up in Grand Forks. He's the managing broker at Pfeiffer's, and he does a great job for Pfeiffer's up in that end, end of the Red River Valley. And he also oversees the Wisconsin operation for Pfeiffer's. I tell you what, folks, you can get a hold of us at info at Pfeiffer's.com or email us at info at Pfeiffer's.com or go to our website, www.pfeiffer's.com or call us toll-free, 877 Folks, you've been listening to America's Land Auctioneer. We'll be right back after this break. Been nobody going to do no 35, and I have sold it to you right there. Good bird, just great. Bye. Been on here now, fifty thousand dollar bid now, twenty five bid thirty. I'm in twenty five. Been on thirty and one thirty thousand dollars here now. Taking it, taking it now, thirty thousand dollar bid and now five. I'm Welcome to America's Land Auctioneer. I'm Kevin Pfeiffer, America's Land Auctioneer. Thanks for joining us, folks. Steve Troyer from Ide Bailey's here. Bob Pfeiffer with Pfeiffer's Auction Realty and Pfeiffer's Auctioneers in Grand Forks is with us today. We've had a great show here in the last segment. we got a lot to dig into here, and we're going to try and get as much leverage out of Steve Troyer as we possibly can. We've already touched on the capital gain taxes, the current rates and the proposed ones, and like-kind exchanges and estate and death tax rates and all of that. And we haven't really even touched on, you know, how to form the proper entities and all that stuff yet, Steve. But, you know, I know earlier we were talking about you guys aren't just tax preparers and tax accountants, but you also get into business planning. And I know at Pfeiffer's we've used your firm quite a bit. And we have two meetings a year with you folks uh, early in the year, May or whatever, July if we can, and then another one in November to make sure we're doing the right things as far as running our company, but then also for tax purposes too. But, but then also coming into play with a lot of that for farmers and agriculture producers or people who own land, or you may be a non-farmer and you own conservation reserve or CRP land or whatever, 
you have taken into consideration all the Farm Service Agency planning, too, don't you? Yeah, Kevin, and that is, uh, thanks for bringing that up. I spend a significant amount of my time now uh, doing that, the Farm Service Agency under the USDA. And there is, you know, typically up until about two years ago, you know, the, the payments that people were getting, farmers were getting, and kind of lulled to where there's not much there. But along comes COVID and the coronavirus, and, man, we've got clients that are well, well over a million dollars. So it's a pretty big issue. And so, you know, we spend a lot of time working with clients on that, and uh, I get a lot of referrals uh, from other accountants, CPAs, uh, to help with their clients. And so what we're really doing when we do this planning, it's really got about five or six steps. One of them is we're going to help them maximize the amount of government payments that they can legally get. Right, that's part of what we do. One of the ways that we do that is is that what type of entity do you have? Are you a single or a sole proprietor? Can you go into a partnership? You know, are you in a corporation? All those different types of entities have different ramifications. There's also limitation on how much income you have. If your adjusted gross income in any of those entities is over nine hundred thousand dollars, you could lose your payment limit. So we have to look at that. And then along comes a new rule when everybody's payments started going up as well. I guess if you go over 900000 if 75% of that is ag-related, we'll let you have the payment. Okay, so now now we're getting down to where these dollars, you know, when we're talking seven figures, these are some big numbers. And so now we need to make sure that your Form 902, and that's like your, that's like your 1040 to the FSA, right? And so you need to report to them how you're operating, so we'll help review those, make sure they've got them right, and that they're operating the same way that they say they are. And then finally, I help a lot with year-end review. So the FSA year-end review is like a 1040 audit. It's the government coming in, taking a look at it to make sure you're doing it right. The risk there is, is let's say you had a $1.2 million payments. The FSA could come in and say, you know what, you didn't deserve that. You weren't in compliance. We want all of that $1.2 million back, and you got to pay it back. So we spend a lot of time with that. I would imagine. You know, I'm, I'm sure our listeners would have a lot of questions for you right now, and I got, I have a couple questions for you. So let's say you go into the year under one entity. Uh, they, a landowner or farm family sits down with you in April or May or maybe after they file their taxes, and, and they're going, oh, boy, we had, we're not going to get all these farm program payments. Can you change – well, let's say you change the entity halfway through the year or five months into the year – how is that treated? That would typically be tough to do because what happens is under the new farm bill, right? So we're under the farm bill that's been around now for a little over four years is everything kind of makes its way down to a social security number. Okay. So regardless of whether you have five people in a partnership, everything ultimately makes its way down to a social security number. So that's what we have to look at. And so it's, it's hard for, you know, almost virtually impossible to be halfway through a year and then change it. We have to have what's called substantive change. And so typically what we would do in a planning situation, and again, why, as you said, we like to meet at least two times a year. A lot of my large farmers, I'm meeting with them quarterly because we might have to make a decision this year that will affect next year. Because if, if we make that decision next year, it's too late. It's too late because you never get that back. Yep. You know, you know, when you look at a plat book, and we look at a lot of these county plat books, you're seeing more and more partnerships all the time, LLPs, triple LPs, 
uh, life estates or whatever. But is there a, and maybe, I don't know if this is the right question to ask or not, but is there a common entity that's used or not? Or is it, is it, does it vary by client? Um, it, it, there, there are many opportunities or options to use. I typically use a lot of limited liability, limited partnerships because of two main reasons. Number one, as you might expect, I'm an advocate for the family. So if there's an heir that wants to farm, I want to make sure that heir can farm as long as he or she wants to. In order to do that, we have to keep that land mass together. If you end up having grandpa and grandma die and they give it to six kids, I can guarantee you at least a third of them are going to sell that land as quickly as they get their hands on it. And now there goes a third of the land mass. You put it in one of these entities, they can't touch it as long as there's somebody in that family that wants to farm it. So that land mass stays together. How about the non-farmer, the investor then that owns the land? Do you see them still doing sole proprietorships or are they putting it in some sort of uh, LLP or triple LP too? Are you seeing that? Yeah, we typically will see just an investor not put it in their name. Uh, and that brings us to the second reason why we would typically do an entity, and that would be we have some discounts that are available. So if you have lack of marketability and lack of control, then we can get a bigger discount. Now, that doesn't mean that the dollar value of the land changes, but to get it from, from where you are across that estate tax line, we can do it maybe at 70%. How does that work if it, if you're married filing jointly, MFJ? Well, how, how does that work on the 75% rule? Is it for for the income or yeah, for the income for the, the for the well, you would end up having typically mom and dad or a couple would be included in there, and as long as they're separate individuals, we still get to take that same discount. So you would be able to do yeah, that in absolutely. that particular case. Our goal is always to try to get all the owners under under 50% so nobody has control, absolute control. Well, there's a lot to take into consideration here. What would you advise uh, potential clients? What would you advise some of the first couple of steps for them to take in regards to trying to minimize any potential, you know, not mishaps or whatever, but, you know, you want to do things right, right? I mean, you know, no matter what business you're in, whether you're a teacher, an auctioneer, a doctor, what are the first couple of steps they should take? Well, first thing is, is that, again, I, I guess I need to tell you they need to deal with a professional who does this on a regular basis because we're going to gather all the appropriate information. And we typically ask for a balance sheet on a fair market value. That's our starting point. Then we want to know who, where, where do you want your property to go when you die, right? Because we, we, a will, in my mind, is a document that's there for that untimely death, Right. Because if I can make a perfect estate plan, Kevin, if you tell me the day you're going to die, I can have you spend your last dollar. We can't do that. So a will is set up for your untimely death so that you have your assets going where you want them. So we need to know those answers. What's the best way for folks to get a hold of you, Steve? Hey, the best way to get a hold of me is to call me at at the Ide Bailey office here in Fargo at area code 701-239-8500. So if you want to get a hold of Steve Troyer, I tell you what, he's one of the best in the business. Partner in charge of agriculture producers at Ide Bailey. He's also a tax partner there. Been with him since 1998, doing it 23 years. Bob Pfeiffer's been with us. Bob, thanks for co-hosting today. You're welcome. Pleasure. Yeah, appreciate you being here. Bob's the managing broker for Pfeiffer's Auctioneers and Pfeiffer's Auction Realty in Grand Forks. Folks, I tell you what, it's been a lot of fun having you with us today. You can email us at info 
at pifers.com or call us 877-700-409. Or the best way is go to pifers.com, get a hold of a Pifers real estate agent, a Pifers auctioneer, or a Pifers land manager, and they'll make sure you get things done right. Folks, I'm Kevin Pfeiffer, America's land auctioneer. You've been listening to America's land auctioneer radio show. We'll look forward to having you on the show next Saturday morning. Now one, 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 one